Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. We're an LDS couple who struggled with unwanted pornography in our marriage for many years. What was once our greatest struggle and something we thought would destroy us has become our greatest blessing and triumph. Our hope is that as you listen to our podcast each week, you'll be filled with hope and healing and realize that you too can thrive beyond pornography and create the marriage you have always desired. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. We're so glad you're here and we believe in you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. I'm your host, Zach Spafford, along with my co-host, Darcy. Hey, guys. All right, so today we are going to kind of do it a little bit different than we normally do, and I am actually going to kind of interview Zach. In our last webinar, a really important ca- uh, question came up uh, that we wanted to, to share with you. Uh, by the way, Zach is going to do another webinar this Thursday at 6 p.m., and I may or might not join him. We will see. Uh, you can... <laughs> there might be a mystery. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> Which means that you'll be able to ask your questions if you come. Yes. So, to Darcy. Any questions you have of Darcy, you can just ask them there. Um, you can go and register for that at zachspafford.com forward slash free call, or you can just go to zachspafford.com and click on the link for the free masterclass. We would love it if you were there. Yeah, we'd love to see you there. So the question that came up uh, at the end was, do the urges ever stop completely? And I thought it would be fun to interview Zach on this and get really in detail about this because he is the person who's actually done this work around pornography and dealing with urges and put it behind him. And so I want to get his direct knowledge and input on this topic and more in a non-marketing way, (laughs) right? Because if you're marketing, marketing is different than normal things. Like we all know that we all have been sold. We've all watched commercials, right? Marketing's marketing. Like you look at a hamburger at freaking McDonald's or whatever on a commercial and you're like, wow, that looks so amazing. And then you get your hamburger and it looks nothing like it. And so our goal in this podcast is to be as open and honest and non-marketing as possible. So that's what you're going to get This today. is the real stuff. Yes. All right. <laughs> so my first question for Zach today is, do the urges ever stop completely? So I think there's a really, I mean, this is a somewhat complicated question, but it's also really simple. Is there ever a reality where your brain never offers you that you will look at a beautiful woman again or that you might want to go and choose to engage in sexual imagery, pornography on the internet. And I think the answer to that is it's very unlikely that over the course of your lifetime, once you learn the skills and the things that we teach within private coaching, that your brain will never offer you the idea that you might want to go choose to view pornography again? The answer, the answer is, I mean, if you take it in its most simple form, do the ever, urges ever completely stop or stop completely? 
The answer is no. But that's a function of your brain, not a function of what happens when you do the work. So let me just kind of break that down because I think this is a really important and valuable distinction. So the function of your brain is that your brain just will offer you ideas. Your brain offers something like 60,000 new thoughts every single day to you, or 60,000 thoughts, distinct thoughts. So if your brain offers you 60,000 distinct thoughts every day, and 95% of those are repeats from the previous day, and this is, you can go look for the research And 80% on of them are negative. And 80% of those are negative, then even, even if every day over the course of you know, the last 30 years of your life, your brain has offered you pornography one time, 60,000 days in the future, you might still be getting your brain offering you porn one time. Now, the, the science behind this is actually really cool because what happens when we decrease the emotional value of a particular thought, the likelihood that it will return decreases as well. So let me just break that down. If you have kids, this, is, this will make perfect sense. If you've ever given your kids ice cream, like Sunday night, and they're like, yeah, ice cream, Sunday night, this is amazing. And then the next day they're like, can we have ice cream again? They have this emotional connection with that because it feels good to have ice cream. It's like this big treat. It's very special. And the next day they'll be like, hey, can I have ice cream again? And they will do that until eventually either you give them ice cream or you kind of set some parameters around that and their brain will offer it less as they become less emotionally charged with that. So this is kind of the same thing that's happening with pornography, which is if every time my brain offers me porn, I go into this deep shame fest and I hate myself for even having the thought that I think a, a woman is beautiful or that my brain might want to engage with pornography, and I hate myself, and there's frustration and, and all kinds of things going on there. The, the more that exists for me, the more likely it is that my brain is going to offer it again. So part of the skill set that, that I learned as I was dealing with these thoughts was to drop a lot of that shame, drop really all of that shame, and just deal with the thought as it is. Not judge the thought, not judge myself, not judge anything around pornography and just be like, yeah, porn is. Because a lot of us, we're, you know, we're taught porn is bad. And, and, and therefore, if I think about pornography, I am bad, is kind of the natural course of action there for us. And if, we are if we're able to drop that entirely, that argument entirely, then what happens for us is that porn is. And if porn just is and it's not emotional, then we can deal with that thought directly. And it's less likely that our brain will, you know, tie into it emotionally. And over time, what happens and what happened for me and what happens for like, so many people because of the skills that we teach is that your brain offers it less often and less powerfully. And it becomes less of something that you have to fight with. So basically, there's not so much emotion tied up in that thought that's being offered that causes you to then go, go with it. Well, it, it, that causes you to spiral into fighting with. So you like when, when something's emotional, 
especially something that you feel is bad. So you can take any bad habit that you have, whether it's overeating or excessive buying of things or drinking too many Diet Cokes. When something in our mind becomes bad, what happens for us is we begin to fight with it. And when you engage in a, in a willpower struggle with your own brain, you'll lose every time. You will, all, you will absolutely lose every single time because your brain is better at offering you thoughts than you are at fighting them. Mm-hmm. And so it will keep offering those thoughts over and over and over again until you deal with it appropriately. And there's two ways to deal with it for most people. And I, I like to think of this as like a boulder running down a hill, right? Most people think you only have two ways of dealing with thoughts that keep getting offered to you over and over and over again. You can either give in to them, which means as the boulder comes, you just let it hit you and you roll down the hill with it. Mm-hmm. Or you can stand at that hill and you can push back on that boulder for as long as possible. You'd have some really awesome shoulder muscles. <laughs> you would have amazing shoulder Woo! muscles. But what would happen eventually, because you're human, you'd eventually get you'd get weak and that boulder would overtake you. What, what I did and what I learned to do is I learned to side, take one step to the side. Just watch that boulder exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, that bo- my brain's offering me porn. Oh, that's interesting. Why is it doing that? What's going on for me? And if I was able to step aside and stand aside long enough and be curious enough about what was actually happening, instead of having to fight with that boulder, my brain would, pro- would find what was actually going on for me. I was either stressed or lonely. Maybe I was frustrated. Maybe I was anxious, right? And in that process of exploring why that boulder was there, I found the reason, the thing that released the boulder at the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, march up to the top of the hill and say, okay, let me deal with you now. Let me deal with the reason why this boulder is getting released. And in that process, I was able to more effectively manage myself. Mm-hmm. You can never manage your thoughts because your brain's just going to offer you thoughts. Thoughts are going to happen and there's no, there's no reality where your brain stops offering you thoughts unless you're dead. Yeah. And we hope that that is not the case for anyone. If you are struggling with any sort of uh, suicidal ideation, please talk to someone. They want to hear from you. So hopefully that's not something. But I know for a lot of men and women, that is a struggle that we deal with when we don't feel like we can control our thoughts and we are bad, therefore, because of it. So uh, I think that took a, a turn there. But I think it's important to recognize this is understanding your brain 101. If you think that you can get your brain to stop thinking a thought, you're going to lose the battle. And that's not going to work out for you in the long run. So something that came to mind for me when I was listening to you talk was like kind of thinking about my own brain and realizing I have not eaten meat on any real basis since I was in seventh grade. I'm 39 years old, so... I think I stopped eating meat when I was 12. That's a really, really, really long time. This is a really good story. And I promise you that if you come to the webinar, I will make Darcy tell you this story. Anyways. So I, it's not that good. But I honestly... <laughs> that was some, marketing. <laughs> you said no marketing. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but I, every once in a while, my brain will like say, hey, you should eat a piece of that meat or you should take a bite of that double double cheeseburger right like and I'm like what like where did that come from literally I haven't eaten meat since seventh grade like but every once in a while my brain will offer it to me even though 
at this point, I'm sure if I ate meat, I would be incredibly sick. It's just fascinating to me that all these years later, randomly, my brain will say, hey, you should eat some meat out of nowhere, even though that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I don't want to be a meat eater. So it's just really random to me. And I kind of think of that as with Zach, like I imagine that probably until the day he dies, every once in a while, he'll get a thought like, hey, you could go check out porn right now. And to me, that feels normal and that feels okay to me. It doesn't feel like a threat. It doesn't feel like it's something that he can't handle. I have 100% faith in him that he could handle that thought coming to his mind and still live in line with who it is that he wants to be. Well, thanks for that. I, whenever, whenever I cook carne asada, they have this great carne asada that you can get at Costco. And whenever I cook that, I think that's usually the time when her brain's like, oh, yeah, meat. Meat, meat yeah, right. smells really good, right? <laughs> it does smell, it smells so good. Anyway, all right. So the next question: How often do urges occur for you? Like, how honestly? Like, how often do you have the urge to view pornography? You know, I don't know that I have like a real number. Uh, maybe you know, once every other month, maybe once a month, maybe once every three months. It kind of, it probably just depends on how stressful my life is and how you know whether or not you're in town. Like, if you went out of town with the kids. I'm certain that my brain would offer me porn. Probably, probably day one. Day one and regularly throughout that period because when I'm alone or when I'm lonely, those, that, that's a, an occurrence. I think when it does occur, it's the way that I interact with it is so different than the way that I interact with it, interacted with it before. And you know, just one example that I, I've, I've shared this on the podcast before, but you know, that one time when I was alone in the house, and I say that one time, like like we can all remember that one time that I was alone in my house. But the fact is, there are ten of us, and for all of us, and we homeschool, and, so and for everybody to very... be gone at one point, and me to be absolutely, totally, utterly alone in this house is a rare occurrence. And you know, I'm just walking back in if I, after I you know say goodbye to you in the in the driveway, and I'm walking back into the house, and my brain's like, hey man, let's go look at porn. And instead of it becoming this like epic battle with you know, all of the stops being pulled out and me going, oh, I've got to muscle through this or I have to go find my way uh, a distraction. It was laughable. It was just comical because I was like, wow, you're really losing your touch, buddy, if, you were, if that's how you're trying to persuade me. It's like somebody coming in and ham-fisted being like, hey, man, let's do drugs. Like all those cartoons are like, I don't know. Do you remember this when they had like the D.A.R.E. program? Mm -hmm. And it was like, so comically absurd that some random guy in a trench coat would show up and be like, let's do drugs. And of course that's the guy you say no to. That's kind of how it felt. And where I think before it felt like the way that people actually do drugs when they're kids is you're all sitting around with your friends and somebody's like, Hey man, I got this thing. I'm going to try it. Let's be curious. Right. That's totally a different scenario than what I think it feels like after you do this work and you get good at being aware of your brain and good at understanding why it is your brain is offering you things like porn or shopping or overeating or any of that stuff. If I think back on that experience, cause I remember that I think another huge difference was the way that I responded when you told me that it was like, Oh yeah, really? That's interesting. Well, I guess you can go look at porn if that's what you want to do. Right. right? Because which, which, by the way, which if you're listening so to true. this and you're like, what do you mean you can go look at porn? That's not her saying 
you have permission or that it is okay. It's her simply acknowledging the facts. Absolutely. The, f- the fact is, is that he could go look at porn and because he's a grown man and he can make his own choices. But And that I would be okay because I would survive that. You would be okay, but you wouldn't be okay with the behavior. Correct. Right. And I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah. Because it's it really boils down to at this point, it's like, yeah, I guess if that's who you want to be, that's on you. Like, I'm not going to let your choices and what you decide to do ruin make you miserable me. yeah and, and and that's the work that the wives do in the individual coaching that they do with you and and that's important work because what it does is it empowers them to say i rec i fully recognize that what my husband is doing isn't about me it's about him one two that it does not have to destroy us and three i can be empowered to live my standards without making it something that he has to do even though I want him to live up to those same standards. And that I, th- that's, that's a fine distinction, but I think it puts you in a position to say, we can succeed without all that turmoil, without all that fighting, without freaking out. We can go through the, the, the hard parts of figuring out how to eliminate pornography from our lives without losing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the next question I have for you is are all of your sexual thoughts gone? Like, have they all gone away? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And and I know you know the answer to this, but I'm just laughing because I know you know the answer to this. And and people, you know, yeah. I mean, no. No. And I think this is really important because... So you mean to tell me that sometimes you see a hot chick and you're like, wow, she's hot. Yeah. I mean, of course I do. So if we think about this from a strictly biological perspective, strictly biological, which is every time any man walks into a room, he's doing a couple of very specific things. Number one, he's measuring himself in the hierarchy of the people in the, in the room. Of the men in the room, where do I fit? Number two, he's looking at every woman in that room at, some, at a very base level. And I, I'm not saying you do this consciously. I'm not saying that this is you know, morally the way that things are supposed to happen. It's not like creeper style. Right, it's not creeper style. It's of the women in this room, who could I mate with? And again, this is at the very strictest biological level. It is not, I don't believe, a possibility for a man to override biology. Now, what we do with those thoughts, I think is really important. Because how we interact with what our brain offers us makes that thing more or less important. So if I see a beautiful woman, I say, oh, that, that's a beautiful woman. And then I move on without giving it a second thought, and I just move on with my life, and I do what is valuable to me and what live, helps me live my values, then I am being a moral person. But if I see a hot chicken, and then I go, oh, man, I need to, I need to run away from this, then... I'm or like, oh, I out. can't look at this. I can't look at this. I right. can't look at this. Am I looking at it? I hope I'm not looking at right. it. it did I'm my wife notice out, I looked and I'm, at it? And I'm losing myself in that moment. And I'm giving that thought and that idea and that observation more value and power than I need to give it. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to, to recognize that. And, and we've had experiences like this where like, we'll see something and it will be like, whoa, I'll see it and she'll see it. And prior to the work that we do, 
and prior to me doing the work that I had to learn to, and me to get to this place and Darcy, doing, and Darcy doing a lot of work on her end, we would see that beautiful person. We would both see that beautiful person. And then I would pretend that I didn't see that person and she would try to manage whether or not I was seeing that person. That's miserable. It's really miserable because it's not honest. That's why it's miserable. Well, and that person has all the attention in the room right. because he's trying, he's thinking about it because he's trying not to look at it. And then I'm thinking about it because I'm trying to distract him from seeing it. Right. Right. Instead of just like, oh, yep, there she is. Wow. She's really good looking. Yeah. And you she can works take that, out, yeah. whatever. <laughs> right. And then just move on. Or her, with or, it. or her fake, her boobs are fake or she's, you know, plastic in some way or whatever it is. Right. It's, it's walking past Victoria's Secret in the mall, knowing that you're walking past Victoria's Secret in the mall, and everybody gets it. And we're not like, oh, this is going to be a trigger, and this is going to take us down a rabbit hole, and this is going to be the end of things. So that's one. Two is I would, I would never want to lose my sexuality. And I think that that's one of the things that we've kind of been offered as an idea, and, and not maybe not specifically, but if I was less sexual, I know, I know I thought this, and I know a lot of my clients have thought this over, over the period of years that we've worked with people. If I were less sexual, then I wouldn't have this problem. But I think that our sexuality, my sexuality that I can choose to engage with Darcy with has been the most magical thing in, in our relationship. And it's, it's wonderful and it's meaningful and it's deep and it is powerful, and it helps each of us really, I think, thrive together and individually. So losing my sexuality would be, I mean, that would be detrimental. That would be extraordinarily painful to me. So the idea that I don't have any sexual urges or thoughts anymore, man, that, that's, not, that's not the life I want to live. And maybe it is the life you want to live, but it's not the life I want to live. But really what you're saying is, is that, yes, you still have thoughts that come. You still have eyeballs. You still notice things. But the way in which you interact with noticing is, is different than it used to be. Totally. A hundred percent differently. And I, I think so much of that comes from the lack of judging yourself for having the thoughts in the first place. I think, I think... We, we very much think that we can control our thoughts, yeah. right? That we have some magical way to control our thoughts. Like, you know, think pure thoughts and... Sing a hymn. Yeah, just all of Change that. Change what's but, on the stage of your mind. But the truth is, is that we have very, very, very little control of the thoughts that randomly come to our minds. Well, and this is, this is the scientific research, which is essentially if... So it's the pink elephant or the white bear experiments. You can Google them. But the research is really, really clear on this. If a thought comes into our mind and we try to fight with it, if we try to force ourselves not to think it or try to force that thought out of the space, what will actually happen is that we will become obsessed with that thought. Mm -hmm. And in becoming obsessed with that thought, we create a feedback loop that m allows that thought to be more in control of what we're thinking than we really would like it to be. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a really powerful lesson for us to understand that if I can actually allow thoughts to exist without giving them 
emotion, without giving them power, without fighting with them, without engaging with them from a position of this can't exist in my mind, then I can, I can deal with that thought in an open and honest and meaningful way. With, and, and that will eventually make that thought less and less powerful and less likely that our brain will offer it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be vulnerable here and share, share something. But for me, there is this one dad that I have been attracted to. Like, I think he's really good looking. And for me, this is not something I struggle with. I don't struggle with reoccurring thoughts about other men. It just doesn't happen for me. But there was this one experience with this one dad that the thoughts would come to my head about him. Like, wow, he's really attractive. Like that kind of thought. And I, I did, I could, because it wasn't something that normally occurred for me. I was like, what in the world is going on with my brain? Like, why am I thinking about this dad? Like this, I should not be thinking about this dad. And I like started to judge myself for it. And then I noticed that, oh my gosh, I am giving this way more power. Like, yeah, that dad's hot. It's, you know, I don't have to continue to fight with this thought. Like, yes, I noticed that that dad was really hot. And my brain wants to tell me and remind me that that dad was really hot. And stop judging because the more I tried to not think about it, the more I was thinking about, oh, my gosh, am I still thinking about that dad that was really hot? I I don't know that anybody could ever say hot dad so many times in this story. <laughs> that's a, that yeah that I that's exactly the example of it. And whether it's you know I shouldn't eat this entire thing of brownies, or I you know I shouldn't view pornography, or I shouldn't think that dad is hot, or, or I shouldn't I, be on social media so I, much. Right, I shouldn't buy this thing that I want to buy. Whatever it is, this is the very same principle. So a lot of the things that we teach. You know they're based in, they're they're based in two things, right? It's our our very real lived experience and uh, evidence based uh, t- treatments that people can go through, right? So this is not just like Zach and Darcy made up a thing. It's Zach and Darcy stumbled onto the thing that made it work and found the the underlying reasons for it of and why it was effective, right? And started to use the evidence-based work that other people had done that they hadn't applied to this particular field and they're applying it to, we're applying it to pornography. And that's the, that's really, I think the keen and really neat part of this is that, you know, you know, my, you might work with somebody like a therapist or another coach who's never dealt with this before. And they're telling you theory. They're telling you what they think the theory is and how it works and why it works that way. But for me, I would much rather work with someone who's literally walked that path. And that's, that's the difference. We've walked the path. We've done the work. That's why when people come to our individual coaching, they get, I think, a much more real and deeper result. It's not just like I stopped choosing pornography. It's I stopped choosing pornography and I learned the necessary skills that created my my thriving life the way that I actually wanted it, the way that I envisioned it from the beginning, even though it wasn't easy to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, totally different than what you'll find out there. All right. My last question for you is, what do you think the difference between like never having an urge again? Because I think most people, when they 
interact with pornography and they struggle with it, like their goal is like, I want this out of my life. I never want to deal with pornography again. And, and, and I think for a lot of men and a lot of wives, we think, okay, success is that they no longer have urges for pornography, that they don't think about pornography, that pornography just like vanishes. But what do you think when you think of like success in this area, what do you think success looks like? So if we know that we are going to have urges, we know that our brain is going to offer us pornography as a way to deal with whatever stresses there are in our lives. Even after we've learned these skills, what success looks like is I can comfortably and easily address those urges from a real, honest, integrated place. When I say honest and integrated, what I mean is the person I am inside myself is the same person that I am with Darcy. Because we're not that... So, you know, we have what I call the presented self for most occasions in our lives, work, school, church, friends even, to a certain extent. But when it comes to our spouse, the person that I am when I'm alone with myself is the same person that I am with Darcy. That's what it means to me to be totally integrated. I'm integrated internally and externally with Darcy. That's the most honest position that I can offer. And if I can, from that honest, integrated position, address why my brain is offering me pornography in a comfortable and habitual way, that to me is what sex, success looks like. Because Right now, if you're choosing pornography on any sort of regular basis, you're engaging with pornography usually in a habitual way. And your brain is offering you porn and you're engaging with porn from a position of, I have a way that I deal with whatever stressor it is, whatever it looks like. And that is a habitual process that your brain goes through. And so a success looks like getting so good at the process of dealing with our thoughts and dealing with the urges that even when they come, because they will, we are so comfortable with the, the way of addressing them that, it, that it's like driving to work. And if, if you've ever, you know, if you've if you had a job for a while and you've driven to work for a year straight, when you leave the house, you don't think about the path. You're just on the path. Well, and what's even, sorry, this is interrupting you, but what's creepy is that your iPhone will sometimes say like, if, if you say you take your kid to swim every Monday at this time, like your iPhone will, will suggest, s- directions. suggest directions <laughs> to where it is you're going, right? Well, I mean, that, that is really, I think, the same thing as what your brain is doing, but it's like from an intelligence perspective. It's, yeah. it's the technology that's trying to do the same thing, which is, hey, can I engage you in a habit of using your phone? Yeah. From, and your, your brain does the same thing. When you, when you leave the house... You start out the driveway, and you're on your way to work, or you're on your way to church for the five millionth time. You stop thinking about the pathway to get there, and you just take the turns as they come. That is what success looks like with, within dealing with your pornography urges. When that urge shows up, and it's like, hey, man, let's go look at porn. <laughs> and just like when I was alone in the house like for the first time and who, who knows how long, my brain automatically, well, the first thing I did was I laughed. I was like, oh, that's funny. And then my brain automatically went through the process. Well, what's going on? Why am I, why am I getting this urge? What, what's happening with this urge? Is there anything that I need to address 
that's underlying that urge. Well, and it's it's almost like you can have a conversation with it, right? It's like, oh, I'm on to you, brain. <laughs> yeah. you're, you know, brain, you're so smart. You're like, oh, we're alone. I know what we used to do when we were alone. And that was really fun and exciting. Yeah. So let me offer that to you. Right. And that to me is what success looks like, is being able to have the mental flexibility to engage when your brain engages and know what is going to lead you towards your values and what's going to lead you away from your values and going through the process of, of actually making that decision from a conscious place. Well, and I think a huge thing to, to point out in that idea is that when your brain offered you porn mm -hmm. and you like kind of laughed at it, you weren't at that moment thinking that that thought was you, mm -hmm. right? right? Like you knew that that thought was not you. And I think when you struggle with porn so long that you start to begin to believe that that, that thought is you and that thought's not you. I love that. Cause I, and that to me is just like this confirmation of how far Darcy has come because her recognizing that I am not my bad habits. I am someone that she can love sometimes in spite of the choices I make. That to me is beautiful because I think for a long time it was hard for mm -hmm. you to, to see me as something other than a porn addict. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friends. I hope this has been a helpful conversation. If it has been a helpful conversation, please. Leave a review. We leave would a love review. It. Go on to zackspafford.com and set up a consult. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to help you create a thriving, amazing life beyond pornography. All right, my friends. We will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.